You want to know why you're all fucked up? What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, very exciting show for you. Uh, but before that, wanted to announce some stand updates for 2018. Oh my God, can you believe it? Uh, January 12th, the Ice House Comedy Club here in Pasadena. Tom Segura will be joining me as well as Mary Lynn Rice Cub, Steve Simone, and Gary Cannon hosting Very Funny People. Get your tickets now, Christina P. Online, um, February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah, Wise Guys Comedy Club, February 23rd, Calusa, California, one night, one show only at the Calusa Casino, and then March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon, back again at the Helium Comedy Club. Can't wait. Uh, so that's what's happening so far with 2018, and we'll see what else transpires. Uh, all right. Besides that, check out my store on Christina P online. I've got uh, t-shirts from my special on Netflix, Mother Inferior. Uh, there's jokes on there, joke shirts, shirts for the podcast, for your mom's house, for that's deep bro, buy people stuff for Christmas. If they're fans of, of the show, you can get them something of that's deep bro. There you go. All right. Okay. We did it guys. We did it. Let's get into this episode of That's Deep Bro. We're going down the road, dirt's kind of cities made of ashes. I'm gonna hit you on the face, I'm gonna punch you in your glasses. Oh no. I just got a message that said, Yeah, hair has frozen over. I got a phone call from the Lord. Cities made of ashes. L.A. is burning, my friends. That's so funny. I, I didn't even think of that when I picked the song. I, I was just thinking about how much I hate Elmo from Sesame Street, and then I was like, oh, what song should I pick? But anyway, um, dude, our city's on fire right now. It's, it's It happens every, I don't know, few years. Malibu gets blazed up. And uh, it's pretty surreal because uh, we li- we actually lived somewhere uh, about a year ago that is on fire right now, and it's pretty fucking wild. But 
Uh, I think it's calming down. I think the the winds are down and, and we're going to figure this shit out. But what the hell? What is going on? It's so displacing. I'm feeling very displaced. It's very anxiety provoking for me, as my therapist would say. Very anxiety provoking. Uh, these poor people. I mean, I, I knew people that had to evacuate their houses and all they have like one outfit and they don't know where they're going to stay. And of course I was like, don't even think about coming here. Okay. <laughs> I don't have that much room. <laughs> we're, we're not a shelter guys. No, I, I offered our home, but they don't want it. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but uh, so that's going on. And then, uh, and then I, uh, this morning I'm sitting with the kid and I, I, uh, I do the unforgivable. I, I let my child watch Sesame Street as he eats. <laughs> okay. Don't know how many, uh, you know, mom blogs would disapprove on that. Um, you know, you got to limit the screen time because he's learning language and every minute has to be spent in valuable interaction with a loving, caring caregiver. And, um, you know, we just should never be influenced by anything other than wholesome uh, Christian things. So I, I let him watch all kinds of stuff. And, you know, look, I know as a parent, I'm not supposed to influence which Sesame Street character my son prefers, because that would be uh, narcissistic parental behavior, which I grew up with. And God knows it's terrible when a parent tells you what you can and cannot enjoy. Uh, growing up with my crazy mom, I, I like the color pink. She did not like the color pink. She liked purple. So I would never be allowed to have pink. She would force me to wear purple, which I, to this day, I fucking hate that color. I just, I hate it because of her, you know, you're like, oh boy, that is some deeply rooted stuff. But, um, Steve Harvey wears a lot of purple and I think that's why I'm like, I have negative feelings towards, I don't even know him. I'm sure he's fine. So uh, in, in the character choosing, cause you know, you, you can choose which characters your kid, you know, you can watch on YouTube all the different Sesame streets. And, um, look, I'm partial to Oscar the Grouch. I'm not going to lie. He kind of keeps it real, keeps it 100, talks some shit. You know where you stand with Oscar the Grouch. Um, he's gonna, he's got a strong personality. Uh, he's there to teach children that some people aren't going to be nice all the time. And, uh, some people cannot be won over and, um, you know, you can take them or leave them. And, and he's a strong personality. And I, I just, I think he's the funniest one, quite frankly. I feel like he's the comedian, the stand up comedian of the bunch. He's antisocial. He lives in a fucking trash can. Uh, <laughs> and he's always looking to rile people up, which is fantastic. So funny. So I'm down with him. I'm down with Cookie Monster, uh, even though his grammar is appalling. And, you know, when your kids are learning English, I'm not so sure that uh, listening to, you know, oh, me lost me cookie at the disco, me, me, mom, like that whole thing is not, um, it's not, it's probably not good, but whatever, you know, as a kid, I think I knew that Cookie Monster did not speak proper English uh, and that's why he was funny. So it's okay. So those two are good. Big Bird, fine. Down with the bird. You know, he's old school. Snuffleupagus, A number one, really into him. He's cute, sweet. Bert and Ernie, old school uh, butt buddies before we knew what homosexuality was, there was Bert and Ernie. And by the way, I have a lot of Sesame Street books and they allude to their homosexuality now 
constantly for the adults, I think. Um, like I have a book where you can, it's like a look and lift book and you can lift the little doors and Bert and Ernie come out of the closet in one of them, which is funny. And um, and there's even um, a book where it's like, er, er, Ernie, Ernie mixed the cookies and... Uh, Bert ate the batter. Like it's, it's, it's totally gay. They're just, they're so gay, which is fine. It's fine. Um, I like their, the autistic character they have, Julia. She's not really in on the show as much lately, but I like her cause she's so fucking weird and it's funny. Uh, but my least favorite character, hands down, hands down. And I know if you're a parent or if you're just a child of the nineties, uh, I hope you're feeling me here that Elmo, Elmo, can burn in the goddamn Ojai fire. Throw him in the fucking lake like baby Moses. Wrap him up. Tie his hands down. Brick, brick down at the bottom of the ocean, dude. I fucking hate him. I hate. I hate the his intro music. Um, I hate his his absolute mediocrity as a human or as a monster. Um, I think the way he talks is ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. Uh, he refers to himself as Elmo in third person constantly, which is beyond narcissistic. Like, Elmo wants to do the Elmo. He talks like a dum-dum. Um, I, I guess he's supposed to be, what, like a three-year-old or something? I, I don't know what he is. Elmo loves you. Elmo, Elmo. And Elmo, all he does, he's a people pleaser. Um you know, he doesn't have a personality. I think that's what bothers me is that Elmo doesn't take a stand on anything. His whole thing is to be malleable uh, to everyone else around him, which I think is really troubling, especially if you look at those of us that grew up in extremely dysfunctional family dynamics. I mean, isn't that the whole fucking problem? Is that you grow up around adults who do not let you exist in your own time and space? And instead, you learn to accommodate others. Oh, God, almost triggering my childhood wounds. See, that's the fact. See, isn't that funny? Isn't that interesting that it's never what that person, the other person is doing, or in this case, a fictitious Sesame Street monster. It's how you're perceiving them, right? So it's not, El- I'm sure Elmo's intrinsically fine, but it's my problems in the world. God damn it. Do you see what just happened here? This is why I go to therapy, guys. This is why I'm in fucking therapy for 10 years. But I, I do, I, it bothers me as an example for, for kids. He's just, he's such a fucking non-human. Uh, not, he stands for nothing. And then, okay, here's the worst part of Elmo. I'm just going to key in on this. If you're a parent, you'll know what the fuck I'm talking about. He has these stupid, quote, songs that he writes, but they're non-songs. Like, they're not even... I'm gonna, there's an episode on birthdays here. I'm just going to play you one of Elmo's smash hits. Um, the songs are fucking terrible. Terrible. And they don't encourage creativity in the least. And it, it's just upsetting. Here, listen to Elmo's stupid fucking birthday song. Happy birthday to you. Oh, God. Happy birthday, yeah. Happy birthday Okay, it's fine so you. far. And then this oh, fucking happens. Yeah, wants to sing birthday song. Oh, Come my God. Everybody. You see what I'm saying? It's not a song. He just says the same fucking word. Birthday, birthday. That's what he does for all of his songs. He doesn't even fucking sing a song. It's not a song. It's one word over and over and over and over again. 
Like in in every episode too, it'll be like a cauliflower, 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 cauliflower. And it's like, dude, shut. You fucking kidding me, dude. You're kidding me with this. Like this is not to be passed as creativity. It's, it's such a, he's like a fucking hack comedian. You know, he's talking about the difference between dogs and cats and airline food. It's just, it's just this fucking, it bothers me that he's like the flagship character. Like everyone's into Elmo. Like why? He's not, he's not even a fucking character. He's a non-entity. And he laughs nervously all the time. (laughs) Like a damaged porno girl. (laughs) Elmo, (laughs) what are we, what are we laughing at? It's like this nervous tick. You've seen those porn girls getting interviewed or just in a scene. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Stacy. <laughs> just laughing, laughing like a donkey for no reason. Anyway, I can't, I couldn't take it. Today was my breaking point because my son finally got around to, to liking Elmo. Now that's his character. Like I said, I'm trying not to, um, trying not to judge it in front of him. I mean, I'll do it for you guys, but trying to let him like what he likes. I'm just, I'm hoping this Elmo phase doesn't last very long. Cause I can't, I can't take it, bros. I can't, I can't fuck. I, I got him into the peanuts. I feel like that's old schools, you know, sixties. Uh, if you want to hear some, you want to hear how people like m- people like me were raised people, Gen Xers, uh, watch a peanuts cartoon by that. I mean, Charlie Brown, uh, the dog, Snoopy, uh, Peppermint Patty, who, by the way, is non-binary. Uh, if you'll notice, Peppermint Patty is the original non-binary character because her she's very gender ambiguous. Um, Sally calls her Sir a lot. <laughs> she's clearly she's supposed to she identifies as a as a girl, I think, but she's ambiguous as fuck with those sandals. And, you know, she's, let's just say, not very feminine in her attire and her demeanor. She's very masculine, very butch, always pushing uh, Charlie Brown around. But you want to hear some difference in uh, tone and language. Watch a fucking Peanuts cartoon, guys. I mean, the level of English being spoken is uh, probably what I would consider to be college level now. And that was what they were telling. uh, That's how they were speaking to tiny children. I mean, I'm serious. Listen to the language, just the the level, the intelligence level on these cartoons. And that's the kind of crap we grew up on. And now Elmo can't even uh, spit out a a, a fucking grammatically correct sentence. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what what happened that we became such a nation of dum-dums. We can't even watch a cartoon or a children's program that has decent fucking English in it. Man, man. Yeah, if you want to see the uh, devolution, if you will, of uh, entertainment, just watch watch the Peanuts. You'll want to. You'll be like, wait, what? What is this guy talking about? If, there's sentences in the Peanuts that I was like, uh, like they they were explaining Thanksgiving, and it was you know, and then the settlers came and John Pemberton came across the Atlantic and offered the and he's telling you like history. I'm like, I don't even know this shit, dude. Like, I I never even heard this growing up. It was pretty advanced stuff. Um, there you go. There's my diatribe on that. You know that they used to say news, newspapers were written at, a, I think, a third grade level? That was in the 80s. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine what level we're writing at now. 
I mean, I, I suffer from, and I'm not going to lie, when I sit down to um, actually handwrite things like set lists and stuff, I can't even spell anymore because of texting, right? There's a shorthand now that's become the primary vernacular. It's really terrifying how, how poor my, um, my spelling skills have gotten since autocorrect. Oy, oy, oy. Oy, oy, oy. Forget it, man. Okay, so moving along, moving along. I was engaged in a text um, messaging with a friend of mine. And, um, and she said, you know, I gave this talk about my profession, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, you, have you ever felt like you were bragging or ashamed of, uh, of what you do, right? Like I was, ta- I was talking about stuff that I, by right, know, stuff that I am proficient in. But why, you know, I felt, uh, I felt like I was bragging, like I was being, uh, being kind of a, an a-hole or whatever. And I was like, that's really interesting. And, um, and then she goes, you know, have you ever felt that way? And I think, yeah. And I think, what's, so what's really going on? I think there feeling a sense of, of not being good enough or that you're an imposter or that um, maybe you don't deserve all the, the, the place you are, what you have. Um, I think all that stuff, because I've been there. We've all fucking, we've all been there. Um, we've all been there. I think that stuff is attached to not feeling good enough. I think it's a self-esteem issue. I think it's, uh, I think because uh, on some level, every human being's internal message, deep, 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 deep down, I'm talking deep in the unconscious, I'm talking fucking way, way buried under all the stuff that we pretend to be and, and all this that unfortunately a lot of our messaging, the, the, the core belief is that I am not good enough or I am not capable enough. And how does that get there? Well, you know, uh, it gets there through fucking life, through school teachers, through mommies and daddies who are maybe not as aware through whoever, pastors, ministers, Elmos, whoever the fuck it is. Uh, Or sometimes, you know what, part of me just thinks that the human brain is also wired for that sort of negativity. It's it's like the innate default setting on humans. And it's part of living in a society, right? Um, Freud talked about this. You kind of have to there's what the fucking id, the ego, the superego, and you're, you've got these desires to kill other people, to rape, to pillage, but we control those impulses and desires through societal stuff. People telling you, no, 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 you're not supposed to rape and pillage, and you can't just uh, kill your neighbor. There's rules against, there's rules, rules, guys. We internalize these rules, but the the desires need to be sublimated somehow through other things. And hopefully they're sublimated through creativity, through, you know, wholesome um, endeavors, knitting. (laughs) Um, But I think on some core level, right, there also comes the message that, hey, your desires and who you are are inherently bad, right? And as a child, as a tiny little kid, I think that's how we interpret things is that, well, somebody told me I shouldn't do this maybe because I, I must be bad. Certainly, I'm bad. I'm bad. And I'm bad is the core belief, I think, to a lot of, of us humans. And I think it takes a lot of undoing and a lot of co- like really conscious effort to acknowledge these beliefs. And 
and they creep up and stuff like what my friend was talking about of like, hey, I gave this talk on a, a subject I'm really knowledgeable of. I've been doing this my entire adult life. Um, actually, no, longer. My friend has been doing this since she was a kid. And um, her profession, I mean, like practicing before she became a professional at it. And um, <laughs> and and yet we feel like, wait, I, am I qualified? Am I good enough to talk about this? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And um, And I do think the older I get and as I raise a human being that... Even it's making me cry right now to even think of people thinking they're not good enough. God, why am I crying? I feel like I'm, I'm actually tearing up right now just thinking about it because I get these emails from you guys and um, so much of it, the core is, am I good enough? Can I do this? Do I deserve this? Am I entitled to this? And I'll tell you, man, I'll tell you that uh, society that whoever raised you, your internal dialogue, all that stuff, all that stuff conspires to undermine you. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that the world is out to get you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you have to really undo all that negativity. You have to consciously rise above the, the, the lot, the bag of bullshit that, that, is handed to you, your karmic bag of dog shit, right? Everyone's got it. It's just everybody has it. You're born into the world in certain circumstances. Now, those of you listening to me generally, I mean, I see where this podcast goes. Generally, it's the United States and Canada. We're first worlders for the most part. Thank Christ, okay? Uh, Maybe UK and, 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 and such. But for the most part, first worlders. So that's great. You're already at a huge advantage to the rest of the earth, Um, you know, to people living in um, fucking mud huts in Africa and, and, and playing in trash piles in Somalia. But it takes work. It takes a, a, a real awakening to understand that you are not your programming. You are not the voice in your head that tells you that you can't do stuff or you're not worthy of this and that. Now, am I talking about... Um, kind of arrogance you see with rappers and I'm the shit, I'm number one. No, maybe it starts that way. Maybe you have to, you have to reprogram your thoughts, you know, and, and in the very beginning, I, I've always, in the very beginning, and this is embarrassing, but I would say years ago, I started doing the Louise Hay, <laughs> the positive affirmations. And I, and even, I just caught myself the other week. I had something very challenging come up that I had to do. And I, I was really starting to doubt myself. And I literally went, I caught myself. I caught myself saying, oh, you can't do this. Who are you? You're not good. And I had to undo the thought. I I had to go opposite, right? So let's say if your negative thought is, "Um, I'm not worthy of this. I I can't do this. So you do the opposite thought. That's an affirmation, right? You go, I love and approve of myself, I am worthy of all. I am worthy of everything that comes my way. And you tell yourself that. And it sounds crazy. Um, it sounds so stupid, right? And it's embarrassing. It's like, it's not something you tell other people you're doing, by the way. Oh, shoot. Hold on. I wouldn't tell. Oh, hold on a second, guys. Technical difficulties. Okay, we're back. It, this is not something I uh, tell people I do. Um, I'll tell you because I think it'll help. Look up fucking Louise Hay and read her books on affirmations. If you're somebody who's stuck in, I'm not good enough, 
I can't do this. You have these negative thoughts. A great starting point is to catch the thought, catch it and turn it around before. And that's the whole secret to this stuff, man. I'm telling you the very beginnings, the very beginnings, catch yourself saying this horrible shit to you. And you know, a lot of times we talk to ourselves worse than uh, we talk to other people. That's another trick I do. Sometimes when I'm in it, I go, wait a minute, would I even say this to my son or to my husband or to even my dogs? No, I would never tell somebody they can't do something or they're not good enough or or whatever the horrible thought is. Yet we say this stuff to ourselves like it's normal, like it's fine. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, it's so deeply enmeshed in us, this stupid programming of the world. The world, the way the world thinks, uh, the way you've been trained to think is wrong. The way that they've trained you in school to sit and be a docile body at a fucking desk and pair it back and repeat back what you've been told and get graded and get A's and B's. And that's your value is the grades and then be a, 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 an obedient, uh, obedient invisible, invisible uh, Elmo. I think that's another reason I don't like his identity. There's, there's no, there's no person. There's no identity. He is a perfect establishment character. He's exactly the docile body they want you to be, right? Just shut up, shut up, go home, drink your beer, watch your television show, get your everybody loves Raymond or whatever it is. Not that there's anything wrong with watching those shows. You know what I mean? Uh, and tune out and push down all the suffering and push down all the misery and uh, do what you're told. Because nobody talks about this stuff, man. I, I fucking, it kills me. No one, t- this, this is number one they should be teaching you in school. It's how to fucking think and think your way out of your station in life. I mean, I, uh, society's changing right now so rapidly with these women coming forward and and talking about being sexually assaulted by dudes, but it's been happening since the dawn of time. Right. And now finally we're getting listened to and it's fantastic. And, uh, and equality is slowly, it's coming, it's coming and it's very exciting. But let me tell you, don't you dare blame society, your color, your birthplace, whatever the fuck it is that those are all excuses. Your, your bad childhood or whoever did what to you. These are all excuses. These are all fucking things that you need to overcome because your life is too short to be suffering and to be stuck in the past because that's all that shit is, right? I am who I am today because of what happened in the past. That's the, that's the flawed thinking. And I can't be any different because I'm too damaged. I'm too traumatized. I'm too this. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too whatever. It's all bullshit. And the most amazing, miraculous humans the people that have done the most, the people you admire have overcome all of that shit because you realize it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Why? Because you're a divine, a divine a spark of the fucking universe. You know, the, the unlikelihood of your existence, the miraculousness of your very existence, you, you, out of a million sperm and out of how many eggs you came to be and, and genetically you are you're, 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 there's nobody on the planet that is identical to you. There's no reason you should exist, but you do. And you're only here for a short while. Don't let them fucking, don't let anybody else tell you what to do. It's preposterous. All right. That's enough. Uh, let me do some emails. I got really interesting time. 
a lot of love stuff came in. A lot of love stuff. I'm so excited about this one. I really like this one. Um, This came in from a gentleman. A gentleman. And he writes, I'm I'm a 30-year-old dude, and I work in an office of almost all women, which is fantastic. Good for you, bro. In fact, I have never worked in a more caring, creative, and energetic environment. Yes. With that said, this poses some challenge for me. I am single, prone to loneliness, and have a hard time mentally being friends with women who are single and to whom I am attracted. What a grammatically perfect sentence. And you're intelligent. God damn. I have worked hard on trying to mentally stay friends with ladies, but it's still a challenge. I haven't had too many relationships in my life for various reasons, and I think that makes me feel a bit of a sense of urgency. I also am not really into ladies that have dudes already. Seems to be a stopping point for me. And all of this is is the trouble I'm now facing. I befriended a coworker from the get-go. We are on the same wavelength, so to speak. We get each other. While that's all great, I knew from the jump that there had to be a line because she had a boyfriend. Mentally, I put her into the friend category. As time has gone on, we have grown closer. I now find myself attracted to her and wanting more. Despite the presence of the dude... Further complicating the matter is that there is a lot of ambiguous talk between us. She's a bit younger, so perhaps she is naive and doesn't think about what is being said. So she's 23 or 24. There's also that she doesn't seem to vibe with her boyfriend all the time, complaining that he is often too clingy, needy, overbearing, and that he refuses to go to counseling. Once I heard her doubt in the relationship, I became even more interested And I didn't want to be a part of breaking anyone up. That's not what I'm about. I don't know what to do here. I cherish the friendship, but I need to tell her how I feel. I'm afraid that telling her could wreck our friendship. Then again, it's becoming hard for me to be friends. This last week, I decided to pull back and have very little communication with her. She knows there's something up. She doesn't know exactly what. It doesn't feel great. I miss talking about the world with her. Any thoughts or otherwise be wonderful. Okay. All right. Oh, I love this email, man. (laughs) All right. Okay, anonymous emailer. Are you ready for what's happening to you? (sighs) Let me tell you something. I fucking, I love this. Shit. Okay, back. I, I fucking love this email because I worked in an office in my 20s. And I saw the exact thing go down uh, between um, an account executive and his assistant. Uh, He was about, yeah, a little bit older, 28. She was maybe 22. She had a boyfriend. She would complain about the boyfriend to the boss, right? Uh, The two of them developed a, quote, friendship. Oh, we're such good friends. Uh, They would spend time together outside of work and go to bars together and drink. And she would complain about the boyfriend and he would listen. Well, let me tell you, uh, the two of them are now happily married, have been for the last, I don't know, 15 years with three beautiful children. And they are a perfect match made in heaven. Now, you, my love, you, my love. This is a good situation to be in, just so you know. You are what is known right now as a dick in a jar. A dick in a jar. What does that mean? It means you're the next dick up. 
she's put you uh, up on, you're up on the list. You're, you're next up. Now, <laughs> um, how do I know that? Because I've been fucking 23 years old <laughs> and I know what she's doing. I've done the same thing. She's queuing you up. You're number two. And uh, while you've distanced yourself from her and you're like, I don't think she knows what's up. Bitch knows what's up. She knows what you're doing. She knows exactly what she's doing. Okay. You're the guy that she's complaining to about the boyfriend. Um, and if she is being inappropriate and crossing lines with you and, uh, maybe saying or flirting a little hard or whatever, it's because she's looking to you to be the tool, the excuse, the courage, the whatever to get out of her current situation. Okay. Now, just so you know, that is what I believe to be the landscape of what's happening here. Um, just on experience, I've seen this shit happen time and time again. My boyfriend's such a douchebag. Oh, he never listens to me, but you do. <laughs> um, he's too clingy. Ugh, he's such a weenie, but you're not. You're the best, right? Stuff like that. Gosh, you're so easy to talk to. And then these weird, ambiguous nights out, maybe, maybe some uh, inappropriate flirting, maybe some alcohol involved in your quote work gatherings. Yes. Yes. So you, my love, you sound like a good guy and you sound like you are very respectful of people, of women, of whomever. And that's really nice. But my love, if you want to be on this, if you want to do this, you got to pounce. All right, because the dick in the jar, this is not a PC answer. Okay, here's the PC answer. Fucker, don't even do it. Uh, turn around, just ignore her. Stop being friends with her because it ain't right. And uh, she's going to be in a long, drawn out breakup with this dude. And you're going to have to, you may get tangled up in it. And you're going to uh, fucking have to hear about it. And, and who knows? Do they live together? Are they, uh, you know, who knows what baggage there is? So, best thing to do. Uh, tell her you like her and until uh, she breaks up with him, just bow out. Does that mean I shouldn't be friends with her? Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's kind of using you right now. That's what's happening. She's using you as the bridge to the next dick. That's what's happening. So you are her, uh, her crutch right now. You're either the sympathy, you're the sympathetic listener. So here's how you can use this to your advantage. <laughs> You're the sympathetic ear right now. And she is, in fact, using you uh, to get the courage and to be a soundboard for her current shitty relationship. So there's two things you can do. Bow out. Bow out and be like, no, bitch. You know, I like you. You can tell her I like you, but I, I can't do this. Like, until you break up with this dude, you, I can't talk to you. We're done. Like, I'm over it. I have enough friends. I have enough friends. And that is the truth, my man, because I know what you're saying. That's so mean. I can't do that. We're such good friends. Really? Because she's using you right now. That's what she's doing. If she's misleading you, it sounds like she is. If she is sending you signals that are inappropriate for, quote, friends, male friends and stuff, she's using you a little bit and maybe in a good way. And here's why. I don't think it's nefarious. I don't think this is entirely a bad situation because, like I said, I've seen people come out of this this exact scenario really fucking happy. <laughs> um, and 
P.S. Relationships when you're 23 and 24 that don't have a ring on it are fucking bullshit anyway. Sorry. Most of you, most of you are not going to be with the same person you're with uh, if you're 23 listening to this in 10, 15, 20 years. Now, are there exceptions? Absolutely. Of course. I'm just saying uh, at that age, your maturity level, you're not really qualified most of the time to pick the lifelong mate. It's just really hard. Again, exceptions to the rule all the time. Okay. So emailer, here's the deal. Uh, I would say knowing what you know, what I've just told you, because I do believe this is the scenario because I've seen it time and time again, um, this can work out in your favor. Now here's the unpeaciness of it all. <laughs> you being a dick in the jar is a wonderful position to be in, but you need to be a jackal. You need to be the hyena. You need to be the hyena with blood on its fucking mouth circling that carcass, right? Just waiting for that relationship to die so you can pounce and dig in and you take your fucking prey, okay? So you're either going to be a hyena and you're going to play this thing through and you're going to be a sympathetic ear, but you're also going to be an aggressor. If you want to make this work, if you want this to go in your, in your favor, I do think you got to push a little bit on your end. You got to be inappropriate if you want to go for it. <laughs> that's the only way to do it. This, this, is, this is what the dick in the jar does. Okay. And I know this because I've been with a few of these. <laughs> the dick in the jar guy, his job is to convince you to leave the creeper that you're not interested in anyways. And let me tell you, if she's complaining to you about this dude, she's really not that into him and she's interested in you. That's why she's doing this. She wants you to help her break up with the guy that she's with right now. That's why she's using you to do this. So take advantage of it or not. If you do choose to take advantage of this wonderful position that you are in, uh, be the hyena. You must hunt. You must... uh, be a yes a little bit inappropriate not obviously don't don't make me have to say this shit yes it has to be consensual i'm not talking about raping i'm not talking about groping okay i've said it i'm talking about if she's interested it sounds like she is pushing things a little further right maybe it's going to have a little drinks and uh throwing shit out there like well if you are my girlfriend ba 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 see how she responds to that this guy's a douchebag. He doesn't know. I'm, I'm the one that's going to, you know, really ba 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 ba. Start smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. Get her to cross the line with you. So now she is motivated to break up with the dude. Sorry, inappropriate. Yeah, I know. Uh, but like I said, that's how your 20s play out. That's how I've seen this shit play out a thousand times. Uh, Ms. P's been in that fucking thing herself. <laughs> So the role of the dick in the jar is to push the boundary of uh, proper decorum. I don't know if you're capable of that because you sound like a sweet dude. Um, but yeah, and actually I've dated sweet guys that have been the dick in the jars. <clears throat> and the dicks in the jars, they're just, they're sweet guys that can also push the boundary with you. Um, and again, I'm not saying non-consensual shit. I'm saying if she's weeping to you about how lame her boyfriend is and you guys just happen to be in a really nice dark bar um, on a weekend or a week school night or whatever and you know she just happens to be sitting really close to you and happens to be touching your leg, like, yeah, she's interested. And she wants you. She wants you to help her get out of the relationship she is in. It 
it's a lame thing that 20-something-year-old girls do. I'm not saying it's right, but you, my friend, are in a fucked up situation already. So you can either unfuck yourself and bow out and be like, look, dude, uh, you know, I like you. You've got a boyfriend. I can't do this. I'm going to go be over here. We can't be friends. No, we can't be friends because I have enough fucking friends. I have enough friends. That's what you can say to her. I have enough friends and I'm too interested in you to just be your friend. You can say that too. And let me tell you something. That is another dick in the jar. Uh, good way to do it because then she goes, oh my gosh, what? And now you've piqued her interest and now she's going to be motivated to leave the boyfriend as well. However, that is a slower method and you're, it may take a lot longer to get her out of uh, her current situation. The best way to do it is to cross the boundary with her, tell her you're into her, but don't do it all fucking, you know, weenie like just be, be a man. That's what she wants. If she's like, this guy's too clingy, that's code for my guy's a weenie. He's too annoying. He's too feminine. He's, he's not a man. Okay. So she wants you to be the man to take her out of the current situation. So there you go. You can choose either way. Um, be careful. It is a coworker. I'm sure people are already gossiping about you two. So don't pretend like they don't already know that you two are interested in each other. Offices are hives of boredom and, um, and inappropriate gossip. Everybody knows already that you two are into each other and they're all waiting for you to fuck period. So yeah, there you go. You're not hiding it from anybody. No, you never are. You never are. When you do these office romances, everybody knows everything, unfortunately. And again, like I said, um, I've had many great dick in the jar relationships. I've seen many dicks in the jars, the dick in the jars end up being the primary guy for a long time, but you got to claim your prize, bro. You got to step up. You got to step up and, uh, take, take your lady. I know it's, it's just true. It's just how it is. Sorry. (laughs) I can't, I can't be PC on that one. It's just, you know why it's your twenties. Those relationships are so fucking ridiculous to begin with. She thinks this guy is the the end all be all whoever is 23 years old. It's, it's stupid. It's an extension of high school, but that's all that's fucking going on. It's nothing, nothing real happening there. So don't worry. You're, you're not breaking up, uh, the greatest love affair that ever happened. Trust me. Trust me, dude. She's fucking, she's into you. She's into you, bruh. Okay. Here's another one from another dude. And I love when the dudes write in. It's so exciting. Okay. Uh, sorry, it's a fucking unplayed. Hi, Christine. I've been in a relationship with an amazing girl for the past three months. I met her in class, and a few days later, we ate burgers, went stargazing, got hunted by a fox, and have been together since. She's an amazing person and has been so kind and patient with me regarding my struggles I'm about to explain. I've only had one major relationship before her. That ended in me finding out the girl had been cheating on me with two other guys. Ugh. It also doesn't help that I grew up with family troubles that were very similar. Okay. I spent two years alone, basically in fear of being hurt again. But after meeting this girl, she seems like the one to help me out of this rut. It's not that I think she is cheating, but my anxiety constantly seeps into our relationship and simple small things stand out in my mind after I see her and eat at me for the rest of the day. Logically, I know she isn't the type to hurt me. 
But at the same time, I didn't think the other girl was either. How do I get past this immature anxiety about being cheated on? Is it understanding what the signs are? Am I just not cut out for relationships? I want me, wait, I want to get past this and become a healthier me because she truly does deserve a partner with the highest, tightest genes. Thanks for your time. See, what a wonderful email. Look at this generation. I love these kids. Okay. Okay, mommy. I'm just going to stop using people's names. I'm just going to call you M. Okay, M. So listen, um, you said that this, this is a family trouble. This sounds like a similar pattern you grew up with, right? You grew up with family troubles that were very similar, you write. So the reason this is a pattern that's happening in your relationships, at least what I'm seeing here, is because this is a pattern that you are trying to resolve from your childhood. What does that mean? Okay, um, let's say you have a daddy who beats you and is a drunk, and you haven't gone to therapy yet, and you haven't worked it out, and you haven't um, gone back to the root cause of the trauma, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to start dating dudes who are drunk assholes who beat you because, well, that's what you know. You haven't resolved anything and you're going to keep reenacting and reenacting and reenacting the trauma that you grew up with because it doesn't feel good. It just feels familiar, right? That's the whole part. It's the, that's the whole fucked up part Ugh. about life and all this stuff. It's all connected, guys. It's all connected. It's all connected. Your past, the psychotherapy, you got in the therapy, you got, you got to resolve all this stuff. That's how you get over it. That's how you get over these negative messages, this negative shit. Okay, so you have a family pattern. Maybe mommy cheated on daddy, daddy cheated on mommy, and now it's a thing. And you're going to reenact that childhood stuff by picking people that will fulfill the prophecy for you. And if they're not those people that fulfill the prophecy, you will kind of make it happen by doing what you're doing now, being full of anxiety about worrying about cheating. It's like, um, you ever hear that thing that you're, you're going to unconsciously bring it to be? So th- even trying to not do that thing will bring that thing into existence, right? Um, I'm afraid of being cheated on. Don't cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. You might actually make it so that this girl does cheat on you because your mantra is, don't you? Oh my God, please. That's like the worst thing that can happen. And then the worst thing that happens, happens. And you're like, well, how did that fucking happen? Well, because you've been, that's your mantra. That's what you've been working on is just getting this girl not to cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. Right? It's kind of the fuckery of the mind. That's the problem. So I think you should talk to a therapist. Uh, always. I always recommend that. A number one. Fuck this mic today. Um, talk to a shrink about it. Talk about your childhood stuff. Talk to somebody, a professional, not your fucking dumb friends who are the same age as you, who have never been in therapy, who can't really do shit for you. A professional. Because until you, it, it, until you resolve this family dynamic, you are going to recreate it with every woman you date. Let me say that again. If you don't resolve the trauma from your childhood... You're going to repeat the same pattern. That's why you see this. And I've seen this time and time again with people that get married, have families, have affairs, divorce, and then remarry. And guess what? They marry the same motherfucker they married before. It's the same person, different package. Maybe it's 20 years younger, the package, but they're recreating the same bullshit because they haven't resolved the original wound. So your anxiety around this girl 
It's because of your uh, family stuff. And then, and then what happened? You got reaffirmed as an adult, right? Some broad cheated on you with two dudes, which is disgraceful and gross. And it's traumatizing. So now it's reaffirmed your, your initial wound. And now you're, you're totally freaked out to be with somebody good. It, it puts you off the market for two years being cheated on by that broad. So yeah, this is a really serious wound for you, M. You need to go work it out with a professional. Now, for everybody else listening, in the meantime, here's the problem with this shit. Is that because your wires are crossed? Because your picker's off, as Patty Stanger would say, your picker is off. You're going to keep picking broads that either cheat on you, or like I said, you will fulfill the prophecy such that it will happen. Now, I, here's what I know, uh, just in general, cheaters, generally, the makeup. This is just like, whatever. Here's what I've just noticed. People that tend to cheat are A, they can be very narcissistic. Um, they're using, excuse me, other people as fixes, as, um, as uh, what's the word? Supply is what they say in that world. Narcissists tend to court you very quickly. It's a whirlwind affair. They shower you with attention and lavish you with love, and then they disappear. And that's because they've gotten what they wanted, and now they're on to the next one. So narcissists tend to cheat. They'll lie to you. They'll lie to your face. Um, I found that really insecure people cheat. Really insecure people cheat. People who need to get the validation a lot from the outside. Um, you know, I don't also, I don't believe in that once a cheater, always a cheater shit. I, I think that people can and do change if they've gotten the right help. Um, that being said, that being said, if word on the street about somebody is that they are a cheater, yeah, fucking listen to that. Don't date that dude or that girl. Um, you know, if their reputation precedes them as being that way, well, why would you even dip your fucking wick in that? You know what I mean? But uh, oh, it's a bummer. Being cheated on is the fucking worst. That's like one of those things that just robs you of your, um, it just really, really robs you of your dignity. And like, because the weird thing is, it's so funny. The weird thing is when you get cheated on, at least when I did when I was like in my 20s by my immature, retarded 20-year-old boyfriend, right? Is that the the impulse for me was to want him back, right? It's so weird. You're like, you cheated on me. You've ruined my trust and faith in humanity, but I want you back because I have to compete with the other girl that you cheated on me with, which is so silly, right? And then you get them back and now it's a nightmare because you don't trust them anymore. And no matter how many times they apologize, there's always that thing in the back of your mind. Are they lying to me? And then do I go through their phone? Do I go through their journals? Do I go through the... It's like, oh my God, it's like not even worth... It's not even worth cheating because of all that drama that ensues once you've lost the trust of somebody. Ugh, it's, it, it just never works. It's, I, I never, it's never worked for me. I know some people can get back together, but my God, it's like, ugh, the damage it does is not even worth the experience of it, you know? Because it is insecurity uh, cheating. It's, it's, it's like I need to feel good outside of this thing. How can I feel good? Oh, that person's making me feel good. I'll go feel good over here. 
It's so, um, it's like, it's so, you know what, it's just a twenties thing too, but it's so indicative of immaturity. Like, let me throw away everything I have, but to have an orgasm with this person over here, it's lunacy. It's just fucking, it, it doesn't even make rational sense when you think about that, you know, it just destroys families. It destroys everything. And some people with them, it's a bottomless pit. They just keep doing it and doing it and cheating and cheating and cheating. And yeah. And they never learn to have real love or to have real intimacy because they're afraid of it because their mommies and daddies traumatize them. Blah, 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 blah. So there. So that's what I think, my love. You need to get into therapy. You need to get your life because there's no short way. There's no short answer for you on this. You, You will continue to fuck it up. But in the meantime, tell her your fears, tell her your anxieties. Just say, look, I've been really hurt um, by this girl before. I have this in my family. Just so you know, this is a sensitive thing for me. Um, Am I going to go through your phone? No. Am I going to follow? Are you going to do these things? Don't fucking do these things, by the way. Stop it. If you're going through your spouse's phone, your girlfriend, boyfriend's phone, it is over already. It is done. If you're fair, fishing for emails and Facebook messages and all that stuff, stop it. Fucking stop it. You're not 15 years old and it is ruining your relationship. I have to tell you, in the 12 years I've been with my husband, I have not once looked through his emails. I have not once looked through his phone. I swear to God. I swear to God because I've done it in the past. I'm not saying because uh, I'm a saint because I have fucking done it. And that was when my relationship was on the rocks with this other dude. So I learned, like, that means it's over. It is over if you're doing that shit, that nonsense. And what are you going to do? You're just looking for something because on some unconscious level, you already know what's happening. You already know that person is fucking with you. That's why you're doing that. You're just looking for validation of something you unconsciously already know. So don't do it. Be an adult and just fucking ask them point blank what they're up to, being shady being sneaky. So don't go through her shit and just tell her that, Hey, this is a thing, man. I may get weird every now and then. Um, and if she's a good girl, I think she'll, you know, help you along. Cause there's nothing wrong with admitting the weaknesses from your prior relationships, nothing at all. And I think it actually helps, um, foster intimacy in the current relationship that you're in. If you just say, Hey, these are my, these are my jams. These are my hangups, dudes. Not perfect. Everyone's got their things. And as long as you lay it out, then that other person can choose to be sensitive to that or not. And if they're not, then next on to the next one, dude, there's a millions and millions of humans on this planet. Too many. In fact, you can choose a different one. She's not the only one. Trust me. So yeah communication right guys and it's okay to have weaknesses men it's okay to have flaws i know in our culture masculinity culture you're supposed to just be a quiet suffering (laughs) macho figure right no that's stupid stupid societal nonsense nonsense there's nothing wrong ain't nothing wrong with it so tell her in the meantime realize this is just a trigger for you. This is an irrational uh, trigger now. It's become a thing and go get treatment. Okay, the end. What did 
I do with this? Oh, okay. Oh, this one. All right, guys. I got to go. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to go do my Pilates today. <laughs> I do exercises. I hate it. I fucking hate it, but I do it. I do it because I don't want to be a blob. I do it because I don't want to be one of those old ladies I see hunched over walking slowly across La Cienega Boulevard. You know, those people you are like, how does that happen? How do you get a hump in your back? How, is that just for from years of being hunched over and then you grew that way? Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. You know those old people. Oh, it's so gross. It's so scary, right? Let's not be those people. God. Anyways, email me. That's deepropodcast at gmail.com. Come see me do live stand-up in your cities in 2018. And that's it. All right, guys. Um, until next time, that's been D-Bro. Oh, <laughs> I'm retarded. Uh. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.